All right, well, hey, welcome back. Happy New Year. Uh, thanks to Gene. Gene's not here today, but, but thanks for Gene for leading last week, kind of impromptu, and for everyone who was able to join that. I heard it went really well. Uh, it's always fun to listen to about all of Gene's adventures, to tell you the truth, and, and, and what all is going on. So uh, thank you for being there. We're kicking off a new series today that will probably take us a while, to tell you the truth. It, it's, it's good. Hey, look, Marty, it's good to see you. Uh, so it's good to see everybody back. My gosh, this is a great day. Um, we're kicking off a new series today that'll take us a while. It may be a couple months, maybe three months. I'm not quite sure. Uh, a good teacher would have planned out every lesson uh, for, for what's going to happen, but this will, this will take us a little while. But Zechariah is an incredible, incredible book of the Bible, and there's a lot to dig into, and so I'm excited to get going. Uh, as, I was, as I was creating the lesson and going through the text and researching, uh, I, I thought it was interesting that my research corresponded with me thinking a lot about Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And so, you know, Monday was MLK Day, and we got to commemorate that, and if you think back to Martin Luther King's story, and the story of so many people uh, that... Uh, so anyway, Martin Luther King, if you think back to that story, there's an interesting story that occurred that took place over hundreds of years. Uh, but if you think about the story, there was, there was people that were taken from their homes, right? People that were taken from their homes, they were taken to a land far away, they were enslaved. Uh, we had people here in this country that endured generations of slavery, uh, holding fast to a hope that, and a promise that one day they would be redeemed and one day they'd be set free. Uh, we had a great war. You know, there was a great war where the leader of that war, the leading of the winning side, uh, set the people free. Uh, the people rejoiced and thought that they could go into a land where they were meant to live in peace, but on all sides, there continued to be discouragement. There continued to be trials. There continued to be strife. Uh, people frustrated their efforts. People intimidated them. People attacked them. What they had been promised, this idea of freedom and redemption, was there by decree, but it really wasn't there uh, in reality. But God sent great people, God sent great leaders to encourage them, to equip them, uh, to show them a better way, to put forward a vision of what could be, even if that vision did not happen in their lifetime. Think about Martin Luther King's I Had a Dream speech. I Have a Dream speech. Right? That vision he knew probably was not going to be realized in his lifetime. Uh, God used those leaders in an incredible way, and he assured the people that one day there would be a great deliverer. If you think about the great, great leaders of the civil rights movement back in the 60s, one thing that I think is very admirable and, and, and telling about those leaders is that they were leading on a biblical basis. Right? They were leading with what they were seeking being underpinned by the authority of Scripture, being guided by the Holy Spirit. So we, God used those people to say that not only can you be redeemed in this world, but there is a great Redeemer who, make, who will come. And so I, I think about that because the promises that occurred through Martin Luther King, the, the trials that occurred, this great story of slavery and generational slavery and promises and trials and this idea of redemption, this is a story that actually is the story of Zechariah. It's a story of the people of Israel that we're going to play out through this text. And so when, as we go through this, we're going to talk about Ezra, we're going to talk about Haggai, we're going to talk about Nehemiah, we're going to talk about Zechariah, and these these people 
are really being used in a very similar way. I want you to think about Think about what happened in the context of the Israelites in the Old Testament. And I know you guys are going to get tired of me going through this history of the Old Testament, but, but it's just something that's really, really important to make sure we understand where we are in this, in this text. So just remember, the, the kingdom of Israel split into two, north and south. The northern kingdoms were, was destroyed eventually by the Assyrians, and the people were scattered to uh, all over. We lost the ten tribes of Israel, if you think about it that way. So the Assyrians come in and they attempt to conquer the southern kingdom of Judah as well. They get a lot of the villages, they take a lot of those over, but they get to Jerusalem with a couple hundred thousand men outside the gates. And what happens? Can you remember that? Can you remember the story? Yeah. Hezekiah and Isaiah pray to God and God delivers them, right? The great mighty Assyrian empire cannot take Jerusalem. They cannot conquer uh, the southern kingdom of Judah. So the southern kingdom of Judah continues on, continues on. They rebel against God. There's all kinds of stories that go through. Eventually, God gives them over to the Babylonian Empire who conquers Jerusalem, comes in, destroys the temple, and takes a lot of the people there from Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah into exile. And how long were the people in exile in, in, in Babylon? Not 400 that was, the, that, was the, that was Egypt. That was Egypt, another slavery. Seventy years. They're, they're in exile for 70 years. And during that time of exile, during that time of exile, God sent people, sent people to encourage them and to equip them, to instruct them. Sent people like Daniel to tell them what would come. Uh, God promised that the exile would one day end, but he gave them strength throughout that. He also used Daniel, as a great example, Daniel 2.7, uh, to let the people know that Gentile kingdoms would rule over, over Judah and Israel until God set, would set up his kingdom on earth under the rule of the Messiah. And so we see the people in Babylon for a long period of time uh, really working on that. But the prophet Isaiah came, came and, and prophesied that one day this man named Cyrus would come and would send the people back to Jerusalem. And sure enough, it happened that God would appoint a man named Cyrus the Great, who would be the leader of the Persian Empire, who would go and take on the Babylonians. And uh, the kingdom of Persia would defeat the Babylonians. And the Persian Empire had a lot of different rules and different edicts and a different way of determining how they were going to govern. And Cyrus issues a decree that the Jewish people can return home, right? It's just an amazing, amazing just change in history that the Jewish people can return home. And the Jewish people still go through so many different trials during this time. Uh, they're almost annihilated around this time frame. Does anyone know the story in the Bible where the Jewish people were almost annihilated under the Persian rule? Just trying to connect all the dots of the Old Testament real quick. Anybody remember the story of Esther, right? So think about the story of Esther. Uh, she's, by miraculous purposes, she becomes queen, right, uh, under the rule of the Persian Empire. And the uh, right-hand man of the Persian emperor is going to destroy the Jewish people because he's a little jealous of Mordecai and, and, and sends out the decrees to all the land to have every, all the Jewish people annihilated. And Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle, uncle uh, goes, to her, goes to her and says, you need to go talk to the king. She goes, I'm not going to go talk to the king because everyone who talks to the king, if they're not invited, is going to die. And he goes, don't think that because you're sitting here in this palace 
that your fate will be any different than the fate of all the Jewish people all throughout the land. And maybe it's such a time as this that God has appointed you to be an advocate for his people. And he goes, and God's will is going to be done, but you have the opportunity to do God's work right here. And she goes to, to, to the Persian king at that point in time, tells what's going on. Persian king takes care of business. They hang Haman, the, the, the uh, guy on the right who was the right hand. Uh, and the Jewish people are allowed to defend themselves, and the Jewish people are preserved. Right? And so we see these great stories where the remnants are preserved and the people continue to be preserved, all for, this, all for the sake of God's providence to set up what's going to be occurring. So we are in this, this, this story we're going to be talking about for a few months really is in that situation in history where the Babylonians have been defeated, the Persians are in control, the Persians have told the Jewish people that they can return home. And, and not, not a lot of people are returning home, right? There was about 50,000, yeah, there was about 50,000 Jews at the time that had survived this exile and everything, and only a portion of them returned home under the leadership of a man named Zerubbabel. And you'll read about Zerubbabel in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, but Zerubbabel was the grandson uh, of the last king of Judah, right? And so he was in the lineage of the line of David, and he's sent back uh, into Jerusalem to lead the people to begin to reconstruct, you know, everything. What did the Babylonians do when they left Jerusalem? Do you remember? Yeah, they flattened everything. What were the great things that the people of Israel had built there in Jerusalem? You think two big things. Think about yeah, the temple. And what's the other second thing? The wall. The temple and the wall. So in our Old Testament, there's a story about the temple being rebuilt that we're going to find in the book of Ezra. And there's a story about the wall being rebuilt that we'll, we'll find in the book of Nehemiah. And we've covered Nehemiah in here before. So we're in that time frame where Zerubbabel is taking a clan of, of, of really pilgrims back into the Holy Land, and they're going to go and rebuild their city, right? They're going to go. They've got this great task ahead of them. God had promised them during the exile that, that, that one day they'd be shown mercy, and the exile wasn't going to last or forever, and they'd get to go home, right? They would get to go home, and now they're at that point. And so in the second year of them being back in Jerusalem, the foundation for the new temple was laid. And you think about that, in only two years of them being back with the, with the city just destroyed, right? The foundation for the temple was laid. And this seems like a lot of really good news, doesn't it? I mean, isn't it a remarkable story? Uh, that, that you're back, you're doing this, you survived all these incredible exploits, you happen to be the remnant of, the, of God's chosen people who are doing God's chosen work, you're rebuilding the thing that is most sacred to God's people, the temple where God himself says he will dwell. Right? It's a really, really amazing story. But let me read to you, I want to I play out this story, and, I, and I, I meant to tell you a quick caveat. We're going to study the book of Zechariah here for the next few months. We are not going to read from Zechariah today. So everything I'm going to teach you today does nothing but set up the, what we're going to get into next week with Zechariah. But you need to see everything connect before we can get into it. I talked to Terry Fakes on my way in about a couple of business items. And he goes, what are you teaching on? I go, Zechariah. He goes, oh, what passages are you covering? I'm like, 
I'm not actually talking about, I'm not actually going to read from Zechariah today. And he goes, that's a special feat, Blake. That is a special feat. He goes, that one, that one week of seminary you've done already is really paying off. You're not even going to use the Bible anymore. So, uh, so let me read. I want to read to you from Ezra chapter 3. And I want you to hear what happens after, after the people have worked to pour the foundation of the temple. So Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. It says, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord according to the direction of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, now, all good news up to this point in time, but, but pay attention to this turn. Because remember, they've only been in exile for 70 years. There's people who remember what Jerusalem looked like before the exile. So verse 12, But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, talking about the temple, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the shout was heard from far away. So you have this immediate disappointment, this mixture of joy and disappointment occurring right off the bat. And the reason they're disappointed is because the temple that was built by Solomon, right? All the resources given by David, everything being prepared by David, the plans given to Solomon that built, constructed under this beautiful, prosperous empire under Solomon. The temple was massive. It was majestic. It was reverent. It was, it was this, this feat that people would come to just to look upon, right? It was this amazing temple. But what the people were laying the foundations for here was not that, Right? It was not that. And so the people who remembered the glory of old are sad. The people who did not remember the glory of old are just happy that the people have built a temple or the, have laid the foundation. But you already see this mixture of joy and disappointment. So, so then after a couple of years of really quick work to get work done, the people start to, to undergo a lot more trials. And the work slows. In Ezra chapter 4, let me, let me read this. It says, Ezra chapter 4, verse 4. says, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. And they bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And it says, Throughout the reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So here, here's what's happening. These people who were in the land, who had taken over the land after the Jewish people had been exiled, these people who had moved into the land, they're not exactly happy about what's going on here. All these Jewish people moving back in the land and starting all this progress, and they're not playing nice, and they think they're the holy people, and they're set apart, and they're not really engaging. And they say, we're going to shut this down. All right, we're we're going to shut this down. We're going we're gonna to stop these efforts. We're going to harass. We're going to intimidate. You may have thought that you were getting freedom and redemption, but we're going to put a stop to this. Right, so for 16 years, the people are, are oppressed. They're frustrated. 
they're attacked, they're intimidated. For 16 years, they go through this, and the work just stops, right? The work that God had told them to do, that he had sent Zerubbabel as their leader back, the work just stops. And so the, the, I mean, the, the people who were there are, are sending letters to the king saying, you need to understand I don't know if you've read your history books, but these Jewish people who have come back, you may not know them, but we've heard the stories of them. They think they shouldn't be governed by anyone. They're a rebellious, stiff-necked people, right? If you let them build this temple and these walls and everything, they will rebel against you. They'll set up their own rule. And so the Persian king, who wasn't there under the time of Cyrus, wasn't there when Cyrus made the decree for them to go home, the Persian king says, okay, no, 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 stop the work. And everything stops. For 16 years. So I just want you to imagine how you would feel, how you would respond during that time, right? You happen to be the chosen remnant of God's people sent for this great task. You were excited, and then everything just comes to a halt. And so what I want you to do, because I really want us to get in the headspace of these people as we read the, the, the stories of Zechariah and the prophecies of Zechariah, I want us to get into that headspace so if you could, at your, at your groups, take a little bit of time and talk about a time in your life, and it may be something you're going through today, where things just didn't turn out the way you thought they would, the, the way you thought that God was leading you. Uh, when did something work out differently? When, when did you think God was in something, and, and then it just seemed like he wasn't, that what you were expecting didn't come to fruition? Talk about that for just a moment with your group. Spend, spend plenty of time doing this. I want to give you guys more time to talk today since our first week back, and uh, we'll come back to the group. All right, well, we'll bring it back to the group, but I, I, want you to, I want you to think back to our illustration at the very beginning. I want you to think about the civil rights struggle, Martin Luther King. I want you to kind of think about the same parallels you see there, you know, that, that, hey, these people have been set free, and there's joy, but in the midst of joy, there's also sadness and, and being in discouragement and trials and issues. And, and so you, I think all throughout the Bible, you don't normally see these stories of good guys and bad guys and all good and all bad. You see just all this gray, all this messiness, you know, and, and I think just as a general encouragement in the messiness of your life right now, just know it's, it's really always been like that, right? God works in the midst of it all. Uh, God brings deliverance to his people in the midst of it all. Uh, and so these people were really were really disappointed and really discouraged. But at the same time, God gave them a job to do. I mean, God told them to go back and build the temple, right? God says, I've, I've preserved you as my remnant of my people, and I've told you to go back, right? So he never told them to not do the job he told them to do. I, I mean, just if you really think about that. And so in the second year of Darius, uh, king of Persia, there in 520 B.C., we see that God raised up a prophet, uh, Haggai, and I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Anyone got the right pronunciation on that by chance? Anyone in here? Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to confidently say Haggai going forward, and then I'll ask Terry tonight. He'll correct me. <laughs> Speaking of that, so Sunday morning, was anyone, I don't know if anyone listened to the message from the sanctuary on Sunday morning, uh, but you may say I had to play a little bit of a different role on Sunday morning. I had to read all of um, uh, Philemon for Marty. And so our, our, Marty sent me a note late Saturday night 
and, and he goes, look, my voice is almost gone. I need you to read this text. And so I wake up Sunday morning to this message, and I'm going, well, Philemon, well, that's easy. That's pretty short. And so I, I go, and I scroll over to Philemon, and I look, and I go, he does it. he's not losing his voice. He doesn't want to pronounce all these Greek names. <laughs> and so I'm driving in, and I'm going, what am I going to do? I can't get up in front of the whole church and mispronounce all these names. So I call Terry Fakes on my way in, and I say, Terry, just read these names to me. And then Terry's like, well, do you want to pronounce it with the Greek or the English version of the Greek? I'm like, Terry, just whatever, man, you know? And, and he goes, well, do the English, the normal English interpretation of the Greek names. And then he goes, when there's three syllables, you always emphasize the middle syllable. So he showed me, I'm like, so I've learned more on Greek pronunciations than I care to. But if you listen to me confidently say those Greek names on Sunday morning, it's just because of Terry. So, uh, so we're going to go with Haggai uh, for the time being, and I'll look it up later. And so uh, God, God raises up this prophet because he sees that the people are discouraged. He sees that they're not doing the work. They've been floundering for 16 years, and he gives them this message. Uh, and this is in the prophet Haggai, so chapter 1 of that minor prophet. It says, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to the hand of this prophet, to Zerubbabel the son and the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, uh, who was the high priest. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. In verse 4, pay attention to this, it says, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Verse 5, Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and you have harvest, harvested a little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Jeez, I love God. He says some cool stuff in the Bible. <laughs> Verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Jeez, right? I mean, this is like that. That's a tough message. What's God saying there? Like, anyone wants, like, what's He saying? What's He saying, Charlie? Yeah, I gave you a job to do, and you're off working on your own stuff, right? You've put me second yet again, right? And by the way, remember, like, you know, your father's fathers who disobeyed me, and the Babylonians came in, and then you repented during your time in Babylon and said, no, we will do your will, and then you've come in, and you're back to doing your old ways again. I told you to build the temple. I gave you a job. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I don't really care how much, well, he does care, but obviously you're going through trials. I've given you a job to do. You, and he says this, he goes, you clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. You're earning wages to put them in bag with holes. You're, you're working on your own houses while my house lies in ruins. Right? Really, really convicting message from God. And I've thought about this a lot because so often, and I hear this from, from people in our church. I've heard this from pastors in the church. I've said this myself. We tend to discern what it is that God wants us to do 
based on whether or not the doors get open for us. Right? I mean, have you ever heard that? It's like, well, if it's God's will, the doors will be opened and it'll just, it'll, it'll happen. And, and there's, there's a certain amount of truth to that. But I see time and time again in the Bible where God has will, a will for us to do. He's telling us to be obedient and to do something. And there's no path laid out. There's just wall after wall and obstacle after obstacle that seems to be put in our way. But here's my question for us. is like, does that mean it's not God's will? Right? I mean, if, if we've been told to go do something and it's hard, does that mean that God's telling us not to do it? I, I just can't tell you how often I'm counseling people or just talking to people where, where things have gotten tough and we just want to give up, right? And, and that's what these people had done. They had just given up on the job God had to do, and so they went and busied themselves with doing the work they wanted to do. They went and spent time building their own houses. They, they were doing everything that they were desiring to do. And honestly, it's not like they were living a great existence. I mean, these were a people, a small group of people who had gone back to a destroyed city who were getting attacked on all sides. I mean, it's not like they're weak. But they, they had given up on the job God had them to do. This is the context of the prophet Zechariah, right? God has raised up Haggai. He's raised up the prophet to encourage them to go rebuild this temple. And right after that time, we see Zechariah enter the scene. Two months after Haggai delivers this sermon, Zechariah began his prophetic ministry. He's going to be encouraging the people to spiritual renewal. He's going to be motivating them to rebuild the temple, but he's also going to do something so much greater. Where you're going to read in Haggai and Ezra this idea of the physical construction of the temple, what Zechariah is going to do is he goes, yes, you need to do this, but I need you to know God is up to so much more. He's going he's gonna to talk in layers. He's going to give prophecy that probably he didn't even understand. It's actually clear when we get into this text that he doesn't understand everything that God's telling him to tell these people. But he's going to say what you're going to do, the faithful acts that you're going to be a part of, even in the midst of these trials, it's not just to build this temple, but there is something greater coming. There are 41 instances in the New Testament where there's references to prophecy from Zechariah. Because it's going to be chock full with messianic literature, with messianic prophecies to let the people know that something so awesome is coming. But it starts with the simple work that God has told them to do. Go back, rebuild my house, rebuild this city. I am doing something greater than you understand. I don't care what all these people are doing to stop your efforts. I am God. My will is going to be done and I'm choosing to use you. I want us to see if there's any conclusion or application from this lesson today. I want us all to understand that God has given us all a task. He's given us all a purpose. He's given us all something he has asked us to do. He's, what, what, what has God asked us to do? What, what do we know that God has asked us to do? Witness, Witness right? That whole great commission thing is, is, is not a suggestion, is it? Right? Yeah. Go out. So go out, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Meet together. He's commanded us to gather together. He's commanded us to be faithful, and He's told us how. Right? 
He's given us all stuff to do. It's not ambiguous. He's given us, he's given us as clear of instructions as these people got when they said, return to Jerusalem and rebuild that temple. He's given us instructions that are just as clear. And he knows that there are going to be people on all, time, all sides attacking and hindering your way, causing you trials and discomfort. But just because that happens doesn't mean he's still not expecting his work to get done. Right? I, I just, I, you need to go back and read that, that Haggai. I just, uh, that, that passage just hit me so hard. Verse 4, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Think about that. Is it time for you to stay within the confines of your home? Right? While my house lies in ruins, while I've given you a task to go do to bring more people into my house? Right? Is it time for you to busy yourself in your own work when I've given you this great task? I know it's hard, but I'm God and I will make a way and I'm choosing to use you. I want you to, the next time, the application here, the next time you face an obstacle, I don't want you to necessarily see that as God telling you he doesn't want you to keep on the path you're on, right? It may be the fact that you just need to, through God's strength, that he will provide you, overcome that obstacle. The image that came into my head as I was thinking about this is for so many things in my life, I don't know if it's PTSD or what, but I always go back to sophomore year basketball practice. In sophomore year basketball practice, I had this coach named Kelly Clark who was just insane. Uh, the man was absolutely crazy. And I've talked about him here before because he was that insane, and it sticks with me to this day. Uh, I'm still tired from that year. Uh, I mean, he, he, I'm still exhausted. And so, but I remember he used to tell me all the time, whenever we would, as a team, be sitting there running sprints, suicides, he had something called a giant killer, which just is, I'm, I'm sure they would arrest him for it today, but um, we would be getting done and thinking that our legs could not go anymore. There was no way, like we could not take another step. And he'd sit there and he'd tell us, you've got this brick wall that you have built right in front of you that you think you can't run through. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to run you through that brick wall. And you're going to see that you can run through that brick wall. And sure enough, we did. We kept putting a foot forward and we ran through that brick wall. I'm still tired. Um, but we ran through that brick wall. I, just, I think God's going to give us a lot of challenges in the days to come. And I bet all of you all have different challenges you're dealing with today personal challenges, things going on in your family, things going on in your life, finances, health. You all have so many different things that you're dealing with, right? Know that God will give you the strength to do the job he is asking you to do, right? And be so careful that you don't allow those little obstacles that will build and can get big, that you don't allow those obstacles to keep you from continuing down the, the path of faithfully carrying out God's will. He sent Haggai, he sent Ezra, he sent Zechariah to provide encouragement, to provide hope, to provide vision, to provide strength. He worked through the kings of Persia to provide resources. He can do all of this, right? We can, he can do it through us as well. Make sense? All right, I hope I didn't commit heresy in this lesson. Um, if I did, don't worry about it. So we'll, but, but next week, we'll pick up in Zechariah chapter 1. Uh, he's going to give a little context, and he's, we're going to get into the very first prophecy of Zechariah. So let me pray for us, and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Uh, Father, thank you again for this class. Thank you for this group of men. Thank you for everybody who's online. Thank you for Candy, who's here to help us today. Um, just thank you so much for all that you've given us. 
May you grant us wisdom as we study your word. May you help us grow closer together this week. Uh, and may you just encourage us. I suspect a lot of guys in here are going through a lot right now. May you encourage them. May you make it clear to them what it is that you are asking of them. And may they know that you have the power, you have the strength, you have the capacity to do anything you desire through them. Nothing can hold you back. May we remember that you are God and we are your children. Give us the strength to go out into the world and accomplish what it is you have asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.